Cardinals held their own and fought against a playoff caliber Texans team, however, ultimately fall 21-16 to the Texans in Houston. Welcome into Morning Scramble presented by Verizon from the SeatGeek studios alongside Jody Jackson and Zach Gershman. I'm Danny Serac. Arizona's offense struggled to consistently move the chains. The defense stole the show. Despite a 2-9 record postgame, linebacker Josh Woods said it best. If you think we're a bad football team, you don't watch football. Jody, what good can you take away from the 21-16 loss in Houston? Well, Danny, like you said, the defense was incredible in that second half after giving up 333 yards of offense to the Texans, 259 through the air with C.J. Stroud really attacking this Cardinals defense. They only gave up 86 yards in the second half and shut them out. So then you were just kind of waiting after interceptions, after a couple punts, after every time the Texans were able to, uh, or they were able to get the ball back from the Texans for that offense to, to get going. And besides the first possession of the second half, which was a touchdown by Kyler Murray, the one fourth down that they converted of the day, you know, they weren't able to do a whole lot. And so that was what was frustrating. And so my takeaway overall though, especially after doing uh, the post-game show with Craig Grealou on radio, is the passion from the fans about not winning that game. And so what that tells me is that in a 2-9 and nine season, whether it's because of the fight we've seen all year, the improved coaching, the rookie class, or Kyler Murray being back on the field, which probably is kind of more than just the icing on the cake, probably one of the big reasons why, people are expecting – a victory in a 21 to 16 game where you kind of had opportunities late and that's a good thing i know the people in the building here always you know the players and coaches expect to win they're always disappointed when they lose um but to see everything turning from well you know the talk early in the season of you know going from conspiracies and tanking and all of this to you know seeing that this team is a team that is competitive on most days uh, especially now with Kyler back and coming off a win last week. I mean, that to me is really what it's all about. And, and it's what we all want to see. And it's the passion among, among the fans in particular. And so and it does, Kyler Murray, the other thing that I want to mention is Kyler Murray was extremely upset after this game. And uh, that to me is also a good thing. You know, he should be. And, uh, and him showing that, I think, is also another step in what, what his maturation looks like. It definitely is. It's the first time he's lost in the state of Texas in a game in the NFL. He's always done really well with him being with it being his home state. I think Jody to your point, the one conversation, the one quote that I go back to all the time is what DJ Humphrey said during training camp. It's not a culture shift, it's a culture shock. And you can see it all around and that's why this isn't a typical 2 and 9 season. In so many of these games they've been hard fought. It's been the minor details that have really hurt you because if those minor details were executed the way that the Cardinals would hope that they would be executed, it's not a two and nine season. It's a completely different record. So there's a lot of positives. There's a lot on the bright side to look at. And I think with this being a playoff caliber team on the other sideline, uh, the Cardinals held their own. It was Kyler's second game back from that ACL injury and something that had been missing throughout those games where Kyler was not on the field, the accurate deep ball. Oh, yeah. First drive for the Cardinals Sunday, a 48-yard bomb from Kyler to wide receiver Rondale Moore. Kyler hung in the pocket. He relied on that protection from the offensive line. He was calm, and then he found more for that great ball. Jody, that's what's been missing yeah. is that deep ball. It really is, and we saw more explosive plays last week against Atlanta. We saw that early, and I think that's also what was disappointing about not seeing that in the second half. But we saw it on that first 
touchdown to Rondell Moore kind of right out of the gate. And my favorite part of that, guys, was seeing Jonathan Gannon so <laughs> excited. What a cool shot. You know, we saw the camera shot that had Kyler facing JG, and they were, and he was just smiling. He had that. We know how intense he is, and, he, and even though it's funny because early, you know, he is, I think, a guy that's easy to smile, but you don't see it a lot during the season, and certainly not during a game when everything's flying fast and sometimes things aren't going well. But he was, he was smiling, like grinning ear to ear. And, uh, yeah, it's something that's been missing. It's something that Kyler can bring. We all know he can spin the ball downfield. We know what he did with his legs last week. We saw that again. So you're like, you know what, that's, that's got staying power. That's not going away. That's just God-given ability. And even with a repaired knee, it's there. Um, but, Zach, I mean, spinning the ball downfield is something that he can do. We just want to see it, I think, a little more often. And I think also a little bit more consistently because we've seen some of the Kyler Murray's passes. They've fallen a little bit short at points. I mean, the one to Hollywood Brown that was intercepted was a little bit short from Kyler Murray. Trey McBride last week made an incredible grab to, to save the game for the Cardinals that ultimately led to the Matt Prater field goal to win the game. That was also a bit short. That was came on the back shoulder, and Trey McBride had to lunge all his way out to go make that grab. But, I mean, I think it's Kyler Murray's ability to stay in the pocket because he did take a lot of hits in, in this yeah. game. And we know the ability to scramble out of the pocket and to avoid pressure like he's able to do better than anybody else in the NFL, but it's also his willingness to take a hit because we know K1 does not like to get hit, but that's what we've seen in this progression. And to go back to Jonathan Gannon a little bit, you, you want your team to resemble your head coach and your, your staff as a whole. And this team definitely does that because they know how to get to business, they know how to take their business right, but they also know how to smile a little bit when things are going well. And that's what we were able to see in glimpses in this one. Kyler Murray finished with 214 passing, 51 rushing yards, a passing and rushing touchdown. Against the Falcons, Kyler was under center nine times, something that is new to what Kyler is playing with in his career. Against the Texans, just five. Zach, how much more comfortable did Kyler seem in his second game back? I mean, you could definitely tell that he was a little bit more comfortable. I think in the ways that Kyler needs to improve still is that there's the technique and if people I know K1 said that there really wasn't much rust but it kind of looked a little bit like there was there were some throws that came off like a duck they were loosely thrown balls that kind of wobbled their way to the receiver and did not make the full uh, the full trajectory that it was supposed to go so I think in some cases K1 seemed a little bit more um, comfortable in terms of the system and the play calling. There wasn't as much miscommunication issues, but there still is some rust that I think K1's going to need to to kind of brush off a little bit. Yeah, I think for me, I was a little concerned with underthrown, the underthrown balls. Um, you know, a wobbly ball can happen sometimes. As long as it gets where it needs to go, it's fine, but these passes really didn't. Yeah. I think looking at it, I mean, and maybe the obvious thing is there was more of a rush. There was more of a problem with that front giving the Cards O-line a bit of a problem. And so it's how do you handle with that pressure? How do you handle uh, the blitzes that came late in the game? Because there were many as this fourth quarter got closer to the end of the game. You saw more blitzing by the Texans. And he didn't handle it as well, you know, and, and that's one thing that every quarterback in the NFL has to deal with. Um, Kyler a lot of times is able to scramble away from that. I thought the Texans did a pretty nice job because Lord knows uh, C.J. Stroud was throwing picks there at a, at a high rate yesterday, two all season in nine games and then three yesterday. So they had to do something to kind of stop what the Cardinals were trying to do because they had opportunities to come back and try to win this game. But, yeah, for me, Kyler, I think I did see some rust. And, uh, again, I kind of attribute that to a little bit better of a, a Texans defense in this game, not as strong a performance by the offensive line. I think it's going to happen. 
you know, I mean, his arm is fine. I don't think there's any issue with health. Mm -hmm. I think we'll we'll see it. But yeah, he just he needs to be more on target with those because again, in this league, that's what quarterbacks have to do, especially in the fourth quarter. Any rust we saw against the Falcons, not about with the skill of throwing or yeah. running, the false start, the delay of game, those were not there this week. So in terms of comfortability of being back on the field, being in this offense, communication with offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, that seemed to improve a little bit this week, Zach. It definitely did because of the discipline. I think after having a week like you did, the previous one against the Falcons where there were so many pre-snap penalties, that truly hurt you. I think that that was something that the team honed in on. And I don't think that that's just Kyler. I think that's everybody as a whole. But that's also the offense getting used to having Kyler taking command of the huddle. So it all kind of correlates with one another. I did think, though, that K1, it, we, I think when – he played against the Falcons. We were all so enamored by his ability to just be able to run the ball. How he did not seem like he lost a beat in the slightest <laughs> yeah. bit. In this game, once again, the running was not the problem. I just think that it's, you, you twerk your body so much when you, throw these, when you throw these balls, and that's a lot to handle for a repaired knee. So while I don't think it's the arm that's necessarily the problem, I think it's the whole body. And it's not to say that's the problem. K1's the type of quarterback that he's going to hit the lab today and he's going to work this stuff out. He's going to iron it out because he was very frustrated post game. Well, he talked about his footwork too, and, and that needs to get better. And he mm -hmm. talked about that after after the game and so I think that was part of it why you know he didn't have the ball on target in a couple of those situations but you know we did see some penalties late and and one was um, an offensive PI that took him back 10 yards so they were behind the sticks on a few things they there was a delay of game I mean there were a few things that didn't go you know that they just didn't look as dialed in and it was a little you know it was a little reminiscent of past years and that's mm -hmm. what concerned me a little bit because he didn't look like he knew exactly where he wanted to go with the ball late in the game, and, and that's that next step that I want to see him take. To come back being down 21-10 at the half, the Cardinals were shooting themselves in the foot on third and fourth down. Arizona just three for 10 on third down Sunday, one for four on fourth downs. I appreciate the aggressiveness mm -hmm. on fourth down and trusting the personnel on the field. Zach, it's been a struggle to convert those. What is missing on this Cardinals offense in those crucial situations? I think – I wouldn't necessarily say what's missing. I think that they're, the targets – the defense knows how to cover this Arizona Cardinals offense. And I think that so many of the plays that we have not been able to convert on third and fourth down is because the ball's been short of the sticks. And it's also because you've been so far back, going back to what you were saying, Jody, about how you've been – it's second and long, yeah. first and long because of pre-snap penalties. So you have a lot more yards to gain because of that. But I saw something on Twitter. I don't remember who tweeted it out, and we were talking about it before we started the show here. But this is not the season to go for field goals when it's fourth down. I mean, I understand that the percentages have not gone the way that you want it to go. I mean, one for four on fourth down in this game is not, it's not good. It's not good. And three for ten on third down is also not good. But I appreciate the aggressiveness, as you said, because – they want to kind of establish themselves and make a name for themselves here. And despite it being a 2-9 and nine season, the, the fight is not of a 2-9 and nine team. Yeah. This is not a team that has given up because, I mean, I, I, Kaiser White said, B.J. Ojolari said during your sideline exchange, they want to win out. And they mm -hmm. still believe that they have a chance to make the playoffs. And to have that sort of philosophy and that sort of – because mathematically, it's still a possibility. So that's their thought process. I mean, again, that's interesting because you can, you can have that philosophy of, hey, we want to work on fourth down. We want to try to have the mentality to convert those. But when you're 6 for 22 on the season, you're right, not as good mm -hmm. as a percentage as you want to see. Um, they didn't have James Conner for a, a big part of the season. For me, some of these fourth and, you know, it wasn't like it was fourth and in inches. I mean, 
easy to be the Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> I would have just kicked the field, you know, certainly um, one of the field goals. And then you're not chasing, you know, 12 minutes left in the game. Then at the end, you're not trying to score a touchdown. You're not kind of throwing what was, it wasn't a Hail Mary, but the sideline pass to Hollywood Brown, which was the, another, um, the third turnover on downs in that fourth quarter. So, you know, for me there, you're just, it would have been better if you're trying to get Matt Prater into his range of 60 yards. So, you know, you're just trying Especially to. Especially indoors. Yeah. So, you know, again, um, it's a team where, you know, not looking at, I know they want to one out. I know mm -hmm. they want to have the mentality. It's not going to, probably not going to cost them a playoff berth, but I would have liked to have maybe seen that. I'm sure, you know, again, analytics, they do work most of the time, um, but you, don't, you also don't maybe account for your defense coming up big like that and shutting out the opposing team. So maybe, you know, again, that's the Monday morning quarterback part of it. I think it's easy to say kick field goals, but you also maybe don't account for what we saw, which was that defense shutting down the Texans in the second half, which was awesome. It was a tale of two halves for the Cardinals defense. The first half, Houston with 333 total yards, three touchdowns. Second half, 86 total yards, zero points on the board. Two of the three total turnovers by the Cardinals, two of which came in the end zone. Zach, what changes were made to put pressure on Houston in the second half? I think it's the pressure that they put on C.J. Stroud. They were able to get by the offensive line and start to meet C.J. Stroud in the backfield a little bit because when he had a lot of time in the pocket, that's when he was able to sling the ball around the way that he did. I mean, I think that one long ball touchdown they threw to Tank Dell, I mean, that was an incredible – he had a lot of time in the pocket, though, which has allowed him – to find Tank Dell. If you watch Tank Dell's route against Marco Wilson, it was like as it was like a windy road, and he just went all the way out, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, that's what offensive coordinators are going to show week after week, because that's the type of route that that Tank Dell ran that could truly shift out and, and juke out a, an opposing defense. But the differences in terms of in terms of the first half to the second half. They made C.J. Stroud feel like a rookie quarterback in the second half. I mean, to have the three interceptions, to go from two in nine games to three in just yeah. this one is quite remarkable. So I, I think that they got pressure to him, and the defense, the coverage was a lot tighter. There's a tendency at times to give up three, four yards because you don't want to have the big explosive play. You don't want to allow those up. Um, and that's why they played a little bit tighter press, and because of that, they were able to get some interceptions. I got to tell you, this defense continues to amaze me. We already we can list how many defensive linemen are out, but mm -hmm. we won't. We, again, I can you can go on and on from who they're missing from the first couple weeks. Then you add Lucky Fotu leaving the game. You add Ledbetter wasn't playing. Uh, Kevin Strong's been battling something, but he was out there. They just continue to lose bodies and play well, and they made adjustments. Earlier in the season, we were saying, hey, maybe those second-half adjustments on defense weren't exactly where they needed to be. I mean, the, the biggest case of that being against the Giants. But there were other ones not as dramatic where – you're like, okay, you'd like to see more adjustments. This was perfect. And they put pressure on him. Um, when he, and then when he was trying to attack the middle of the field, which is what we were seeing, which is what his bread and butter is with these receivers, we really haven't heard of these guys. I mean, Tank Dell's a rookie. Um, he's kind of showing what he's able to do. Um, but attacking the middle of the field, now all of a sudden with some pressure, it turned into picks. And uh, even in the in the, at the end of the second half, or I should say second quarter, Jalen did that as well, Jalen Thompson. So um, tremendous defensive adjustments, even losing guys like Fotu and Kaiser White. 
A big, if I could go off one thing, a big part of the interceptions too is because when you do get into the red zone, the field gets a lot smaller. Yeah. So the the mistakes get a lot more, you know, they get a lot more magnified. And because of that, you're able, you don't have as much field to cover because you only have within those 20 yards there, within those 10 yards and in a lot of cases in the end zone especially. Houston finished with 308 passing yards after the game. Head coach Jonathan Gannon said they were just unable to overcome those first half explosive plays. Still an impressive performance from the first half to the second half by this Cardinals defense. You guys ready to pull out the whiteboards? Let's do it. Let's Favorite do time it. of the day. Let's go into our players of the game. Uh, I was thinking about do I want to do a drawing for this or songbirds? <laughs> You know, last week we I couldn't. I couldn't do the song. I couldn't do the <laughs> drawing. I was hoping last that sitting in this no, chair, you no, would have been inspired. I felt that. it would have been disrespectful to you. I mean, because like, I. I mean, my just, drawings are already standard pretty disrespectful. Where I'm like, I can't. <laughs> you didn't feel like you could come up with an adequate replacement for Danny's art. Not at all. Whatever ability. you would have drawn would have been disrespectful because it would have been significantly better than whatever I would have attempted. Jody, you can go first. Okay, I'm going with. Uh, Chris Barnes, who really was uh, thrown in there after the injury to Kaiser White, and Josh Woods did a nice job as well. And then Barnes got some playing time. He played about 33% of those snaps, which was, of course, second half. And then he had the interception. I really like – you're going to see big numbers here because, you know, again, he didn't play the whole game. But that interception was yet another spark for this team. And I like the speed that we saw. I think even Paul Calvisi brought that up to him and he appreciated that because anytime you get your hands on the ball you know these defenders they want to catch it number one and then they don't want to go down they want to be able to uh, get some yardage and he certainly did that so great job Chris Barnes keep up the good work he's been a guy that's come in when he's when he's come in and gotten the playing time I think he's really shown up a 46 yard return wow. on that interception he had the speed Zach the wheels were definitely out I went with Jalen Thompson and I think he had the one interception in the end zone and he also had a sack he also led the Cardinals with eight tackles Jalen Thompson I thought had a really solid game I thought it was one of his better games of the season the, to go back to the previous question about what kind of change for, with, with C.J. Stroud, I think a big part of it was the sack from Jalen Thompson. He got him out the game for a little bit. They had to evaluate him for an injury. But just I feel like that pressure to see a safety come from, from all the way in the backfield, uh, in the back of the end zone rather, to just blitz his way through the offensive line and really lay the boom on C.J. Stroud, I think could have been in, in a season where C.J. Stroud has had so much success. It could be one of those welcome to the NFL moments because Jalen Thompson did did well, and I thought with Buda Baker not having as much production on the field, Jalen Thompson really stepped up in his place. Thompson was untouched on that sack. He brought the hammer, had a big smile post game when asked about his first career sack. Said, "Yeah, it took five years. Hopefully, I can get some yeah. more." Yeah, I didn't even realize that first career first sack. Career wow, because we all know he can lower the boom. We've seen it in the secondary on wide receivers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right, Zach. He made Stroud. Think a little Think bit. Think a little bit more because yeah. you everyone's aware of Buda Baker back there. But to see 34 and not just three, to see 34 come from the secondary and, and lay the hammer, I mean, it truly, I think, changed the complexion of the game a little bit because that's when you start to see the excitement and the juice start coming from the Cardinal sideline a little bit as well. This player may never speak to me or do an interview with me again after seeing my drawing. I am oh so sorry, Dennis Garnett. Oh, yes. <laughs> I tried to do a drawing with his hands in the air. I like his celebration. <laughs> 
Thank goodness, like, you can't zoom in on hitting this camera the strobe. and see. He's hitting the strobe. I gave him long hair. There's a 45 on the jersey down there. I kept it small so that nobody could really take a screenshot and I'm zoom in. I'm taking a picture of this later. <laughs> the arms are interesting. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very nice way to put it, Jody. Thank you. Dennis Gardeck did not have big numbers in the game. He didn't necessarily have splash plays. However, he played with the effort he shows up with every week, which embodies what this team is trying to have moving forward. There were multiple plays where a Texans receiver broke first contact, and it was Gardeck who had the effort, that push, to end up making the tackle who wasn't even his man. He, Dennis Gardeck had a good tackle on special teams. He just continues to show up in whichever way his number is called upon. Yeah, there was one point in the game where I said he is everywhere because he was making tackles on the perimeter, he was making tackles downfield, and it was just it was fun to see out there with the locks flowing out, out the helmet. I just love how <laughs> that's a guy that made a name for himself in special teams. Yeah. And despite being one of the starting outside linebackers, he still is an active member in every phase of special teams. And it's one of those players that, you know, some players just want to graduate from special teams and play on their side of the ball, and that's about that. But Gardecki is the one that realizes that that's kind of how he made his name for himself, and he appreciates that. I think his relationship with Jeff Rogers is also really solid. So he was all over the place. Gardeck has made a name for himself with the Cardinals. He has the most sacks by an undrafted free agent in Cardinals history. Let's go into our turning point of the game, Zach. Five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Texans have the ball at the Cardinals 26. Why is that play your turning point? I felt that the turning point, it was kind of indicative of all the three interceptions. That one was when Antonio Hamilton picked it off, and he went down with a groin injury right at that exact play. But at least he got his feet down because he gave the Cardinals the ball back because he intercepted it right on the sideline. I, I thought that a big part of this, and something we have not hit on, and I think we didn't hit on it for this exact reason, is because the turning point was you had three interceptions and not a single point to show for it. And because of that, that really hurts. You can't you, – that's the complimentary football that this team has been looking for. Defense gives the ball back to the offense. Offense is supposed to score kind of on a rotating basis. And in this case, the defense stepped up in ways we have not seen, especially for turnover-wise, in quite a few weeks. So to see that, and for that one specifically, with the game on the line, five minutes left, and obviously they didn't get that fourth down conversion as they were trying down the field, but I, I thought that, that that was a turning point because you have so many opportunities, and it goes down into it, Jody, where you, you have to be able to translate it towards points. And you're right, that was an area of concern. You look, the defense is playing okay, but they're not getting turnovers, and then all of a sudden... They get three in this game, and um, yeah, you, you got to get something out of it. And mm -hmm. I think that's why the offense took it really hard, and again, rightly so. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about you don't want to see finger pointing, things like that, like what we're seeing in Pittsburgh. Like, I don't, yeah. it's a tough situation when you don't generate anything, and then all of a sudden your defense is, is starting to get upset, and different people on the offense are getting upset. But with this Cardinals team, it's not like that. I mean, this offense can, can carry their weight and, and hold, you know, carry their water or bucket of water or whatever the sayings are, the cliches. They absolutely can. And in fact, there are going to be times where, where they'll pick up their defense, but it wasn't yesterday, and it can be deflating. And then the other thing, that kind of you know got lost in everything because we can't talk about a bad call it just is what it is but the the punt the muffed punt that kind of got laid on Antonio Hamilton and it didn't even appear to it appeared to touch the gunner for the Texans and that was a bad break so between that bad break and not turning 
the turnovers into points, it just it just felt like it was this uphill battle, Danny, um, unfortunately, to get points on the board. Turnovers do come in bunches. Cardinals <laughs> had three after not forcing a turnover in three weeks. While it is deflating for the offense to not put points on the board in return, it is a good sign that the defense mm -hmm. is in the right spots, having the right reads, and able to take the ball away. Let's pull the whiteboards back out. Mm -hmm. And even if you guys aren't able to see us on the live stream, we'll be sure to let you know what our songs are. <laughs> we'll give you the play-by-play -play of Dan. So you're no, no drawing, No this drawing. Okay. That's, that's why we lost the camera feed, honestly, <laughs> is, is my drawing. I'm, I, I don't think that's a coincidence, as our producer Jacob is laughing on, off on the side. Trust me, I picked up on that. So it's funny not knowing, like now all of a sudden my handwriting has really gone downward. <laughs> like all of a sudden, oh wait, no one's going to, if we don't see this. But Jody, what was your song watching the game or this Monday morning, how you're feeling post game? Well, and this is a little misleading. I'm going with Under Pressure, which is the famous song for, you know, in, throughout football, you hear it when sacks are happening. And it wasn't so much that the Texans were, were sacking Kyler Murray. I believe they did sack him a couple times, but... Um, or Stroud was sacked actually three or four times, and I think Kyler maybe only once. But it's more the pressure situation that Kyler and the offense, I'm certainly not just singling out Kyler, but pressure in the fourth quarter late to make something happen. And I just felt like in that pressure moment, you wanted to see, you know, and we were, we saw it last week, right? So now, of course, I was expecting it to happen. Ever get game winning drive? Can we get a game winning drive? And it didn't happen. So, um, under Pressure, which is David Bowie and Queen, I believe, um, on the song. Again, we hear it all the time in stadiums when you, hear, when you get, see a sack. And it, and it wasn't that – the Kyler was under more pressure. Um, they didn't rack up a bunch of sacks or anything like that. But I just – again, any, the, the mark of a good team – and I know at 2-9 and nine, people are probably saying, well, yeah, they're not a good team yet. But going back to the Josh Woods quote, it's not a bad football team mm -hmm. either. I think there's a lot to like here. But I think in the key moments late in the game, how do they handle pressure? That is going to determine where this team ends up and going forward. And, and it is on the quarterback many times. How do you handle that pressure to make something happen? I thought that song was by you too. No, I don't, I don't, I'm wrong. I, know, I think David Bowie for sure. I'm going to trust you on that. I'm yeah. just learn something new every show. <laughs> Zach, what was your song? I hope this one's not by you two. Uh, I went with Blink-182's uh, All the Small Things, and the reason for it is because DJ Humphrey said post-game that it truly was a game of inches. And in a lot of cases, it goes back to that Antonio Hamilton uh, punt situation. It, it's the small things. You see Greg Dortch waving him off, yeah. and you were not able – Antonio Hamilton was too into the block to see that Greg Dortch was trying to wave him off. Because of that, if regardless if it hit him or not, or did not hit him, which it did not hit him, but regardless if it did or did not hit him, it, it's one of those things where like those are the small details that are gonna hurt you. It's the penalties. It's the and although there weren't as many, it's the third down, the the third and longs that you have to deal with. It's the backup running backs not being able to have as much of an impact. It's it's the small things. Obviously, we're gonna point towards K1. We're gonna point towards the stars on the defense because. Those are the leaders. Those are the ones we have to point towards. Those are the ones that are going to want to say, you should point towards me. But it's the small things that really are the ones that continue to bite you. And hopefully in this coming week with Los Angeles coming in, you have another divisional game, which you've not had for a couple of weeks. 
you got to be able to try to turn things around. We were on the same page, Zach. I went with Feel So Close by Calvin Harris. This team does feel close. The 2-9 record says otherwise. You can't just look at the stat sheet to determine how well a team is playing. And also, the movements that are being made and the progressions week after week for the long-term success of this team. You have to pay attention to the details. You were just touching on that, mm -hmm. Zach. That was something that offensive lineman DJ Humphreys talked about in the locker room after Sunday's loss in Houston. That's a good sign to me that you are close, that you are fighting against a playoff caliber team in Houston against a quarterback in C.J. Stroud who has now earned his name to be in the MVP talks. There, there were MVP chants. Mm -hmm that I could hear through the press box. You could hear the it on last... the TV, too. Yeah, so I, it was impressive the way that this team fought, and they are close. And that is something I know that moral victories don't show up on the stat sheet. However, this team is close to what they are trying to have for short-term and long-term success. i got to look that song up now. I don't know if I know that one. I want you. Oh, it's a I great song. Harris, I yeah. want you all to keep your whiteboards out for a surprise. Oh, a surprise? A surprise. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving week. Oh, yes, I'm curious <laughs> to know the first question for the whiteboard, best Thanksgiving dish. Ooh, I like that. I love Thanksgiving. I just love the holidays hmm. in general. Hmm. I won't bore you guys with my, um, I have a little bit of a history of some Thanksgiving dinner issues with the cooking, faux pas maybe. Maybe not, like many years ago, not fully defrosting the turkey. Oh, Jody. And putting it in the oven. <laughs> and many, many, many hours later, after eating a ham, still didn't cook. So make sure and Jody told us she's hosting <laughs> Thanksgiving this year. So. Jody very <laughs> kindly invited us to her house for Thanksgiving. Zach and I, I think, now have plans. <laughs> many years Sorry, ago. Sorry, Jody. But, and I sent a picture to my family, my in-laws and my husband's family, who was there that day. This is going back 18. As my mother-in-law said, no, we don't forget. Oh, you think we remember stuff from 18 years ago? Yeah. Yes, they did. And I, said, I sent a picture of the butterball. I said, it's getting defrosted right now because it's a big bird. So it will be ready to go, guys. It's going to rebound in a big way. I've had 18 years to figure this out. You'll have to send us a picture. Zach, <laughs> favorite Thanksgiving dish? I went with the dessert. I went with pecan pie. My dad makes Ooh. an incredible pecan pie, so um, that's the one I'm going to have to go with. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a basic kid, so like turkey's good and all. Like, I like turkey. Uh, Throw some gravy on it. Yeah, I, 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 like, I like my turkey. But like, I think pecan pie, I'm a big chocolate junkie, so like some chocolate chips mixed Ooh. in with it. Mm. I, I like that. It's solid. Jody, okay. what'd you go with? Stuffing. Um, I like the stuffing. The turkey. I like it all. You know, I like the green bean casserole. I like a little sweet potato. As long as I'm an anti-marshmallow. I know, green bean casserole, Danny. I know that that was a big conversation. I wrote GBC <laughs> with a big heart underneath it. Jody, you love it that much. I do. And everybody in this office, in this office is crazy because nobody else likes green bean casserole, I've learned, besides myself. That's just wrong. Maybe you my family just out. makes it really well and other families don't have a good recipe because that is one of the dishes where extras are made because everybody wants second and thirds. I love it. And I love it. One year I made it, um, I know the go-to is the cream of mushroom soup in the can, but if you make the mushroom soup from scratch, if you love mushrooms like I do, and it, that is really good and I've done that Fresh before. mushrooms. Fresh mushroom soup. Maybe that's a mushroom thing, you know, but... As I mentioned, I'm as basic <laughs> as they come. So, like, all this, the only green I like is money. So, like, no, oh, green, no green casserole coming from me. Let's, let's do quickly most overrated dish. Uh, that's interesting. 
I, wow. I've got a good one. I kind of mentioned first. it, but I didn't. Okay, go ahead, Danny. I love Thanksgiving. I love the dishes, the side dishes. I wrote turkey. Yeah, now, my brother-in-law smokes <laughs> turkey very well. That is different. Mm -hmm. But a plain, typical Thanksgiving turkey just doesn't really cut it for me. I'm not a big gravy person. That is, I, I, I'll put it on my plate. <laughs> Absolutely, it's Thanksgiving. If turkey is there, you have to put it on your plate. But I think it's pretty overrated. See, mm. I like turkey. But I still put turkey as my most overrated <laughs> as my most overrated dish because, like, although I like it, I recognize why a lot of people don't like it. I'm only going to have turkey when it is Thanksgiving yeah. time. I'm not going to have it any other, you know, any other time. Like every other dish, I feel like you could have at multiple other dates whenever you kind of see fit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Turkey's kind of a one day, one day a year thing. Well, I like the turkey better than you guys. For me, it's this. I like the sweet potatoes, but everyone does the marshmallows I on the top. Those. I don't like the marshmallows. Interesting. <laughs> I actually like that one. Wow. Okay. Well, Jody, Zach, and I are going to have to reconvene off. Uh, I think off, we off should our... have green next week. We're going to make Zach green. eat green bean casserole. <laughs> and Danny, no, that, that's just... so foul. <laughs> <laughs> eat your vegetables, Zach. <laughs> You're not the only person that said that to me. Trust me. Oh boy, it is Thanksgiving week. We hope all of the you. The conversations have... already feel like it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> we hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. The Cardinals return home Sunday to State Farm Stadium, where they will host the four and six. Los Angeles Rams. It's a 2.05 kickoff. We'll be right here next Monday morning, 10 a.m. live for Morning Scramble. For Jody Jackson and Zach Gershman, I'm Danny Strike. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you all next week.